We've all heard about stem cells. What triggers stem cells to differentiate into other cells? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing current therapies for new uses. And our guest is John A. Kessler, MD, Davy Professor of Stem Cell Biology and Chairman, Davy Department of Neurology at Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago. Dr. Kessler is one of the world's leaders in stem cell research to repair central and peripheral nerve damage. He joins us to talk about how growth factors promote neuronal and glial survival and phenotypic expression. Dr. Kessler, welcome to Reach MD. Thank you, Bruce. I'm delighted to be here. So what is a stem cell and what is a stem cell niche? A stem cell is a cell that has three properties. First, it's basically, it's an immortal cell. It has the capacity to proliferate virtually indefinitely. Second, it has the capacity to do what we call self-renewal. That is, it can make absolutely identical copies of itself. And then third, the property, of course, that makes us most excited about stem cells, it has the capacity to generate all the different cell types of all the organs of the body. Now, the stem cell exists in the body in an area that we call the niche. That is, the cells and the extracellular matrix and the blood vessels that are necessary to provide an environment to very, very carefully control the proliferation of the stem cell and control the cells that differentiate from that stem cell. So what kind of stem cells have we discovered in the central and peripheral nervous systems already? So in the very, very early embryo, the neural tube forms from cells that are called pluripotent cells, that is cells that can generate all the different organs, the kind of cell that we think of as the embryonic stem cell. Once this early embryonic structure forms, the neural tube, the stem cells that are in it are more restricted. They are what we call multipotent cells, that is, they have the capacity to generate all the cell types in the nervous system, but not the other organs. After the neural tube forms, a certain group of cells then migrate out of this. These are called neural crest stem cells. It is the neural crest stem cell that forms all the elements of the peripheral nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, the sensory nervous system, as well as the nervous system in the gut. The other stem cells that remain in the neural tube are the stem cells that generate the brain and the spinal cord. What's the difference between these various kinds of stem cells and what might their different uses be? So as I've mentioned, the neural crest stem cell are the cells that have the capacity to generate the different cell types in the peripheral nervous system. Of course, we would then think about using a neural crest type stem cell if we were thinking about trying to repair damage to the peripheral sensory system, damage to the autonomic nervous system, or damage to the bowel. If we thought, for example, about a disease like Hirschsprung's disease, where infants are born without an area of innervation of the bowel, perhaps we could think about regenerating that nervous system. The other type of cell, the neural stem cell that remains in the central nervous system, is the cell that we will be using to repair damages to the brain, damage to the spinal cord. Does exposure of the neural stem cells to different growth factors direct them into different cell fates? Yes. The stem cell, as I said, has the capacity to form a variety of different types of cells, has the capacity to proliferate virtually indefinitely. What controls 
all these processes. What controls them are groups of proteins that are called growth factors, proteins that are produced by surrounding cells that signal to the stem cell telling it to divide, telling it to survive, and ultimately telling it to differentiate into different cell types. Where do these proteins come from and what are they called? What are the families of growth factors that are most important in this process? Well, there are actually an extraordinarily large number of these proteins. There are literally dozens of families of proteins, each of which may have dozens of members. They are produced by cells surrounding the stem cells, signaling cells to form first different kinds of structures and ultimately the cells in those structures. The early group of factors are called morphogens, namely telling the stem cells to form structures, and then subsequently the growth factors are called differentiation factors, telling the stem cells to become cell types. They include a groups of growth factors known as the WINTs, named after a Drosophila wingless uh, protein that was discovered initially. The transforming growth factor beta family, which includes members called the bone morphogenetic proteins, the fibroblast growth factor family, sonic hedgehog, and actually many, many others. In addition to having to deal with these huge numbers of growth factors, we find that different growth factors exert different effects depending upon which stem cell they encounter. What controls these growth factors? So where does the process start? What's the ultimate controlling factor in the body? Well, of course, the ultimate controlling factor in the body is the DNA program that we're all born with, which starts a cascade of events. And it is that cascade of events which initiates a second cascade, which initiates a third cascade, and so forth. So the history of the cell determines what its response will be when it encounters a growth factor. So that a cell may encounter a growth factor, do something, then once it's done that thing, encounter the same growth factor again and do something entirely different cells signal back and forth to each other so that growth factors can be produced by stem cells, which will then signal to other stem cells to direct them what to do. And in addition, the cells that have differentiated and become more specialized kinds of cells can then signal back to the stem cells and the progenitor cells telling them to go ahead and generate a new kind of cell. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I am speaking with John A. Kessler, MD, Davy Professor of Stem Cell Biology and Chairman of the Davy Department of Neurology at Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago, as we talk about how stem cells become other cells. So in this feedback loop, do sometimes growth factors actually prevent stem cell differentiation? Absolutely, yes. That's a wonderful question. Because if we want to maintain the stem cell as an undifferentiated cell, it's necessary to very carefully instruct it to stay undifferentiated. For example, there's a group of growth factors, uh, Delta and Jagged and others, which interact with a protein called Notch, which specifically tell neural stem cells and actually other types of stem cells throughout the body as well to stay undifferentiated and to stay as stem cells. And it's that kind of signal telling the cell, do not become a differentiated cell, which allows it to then divide and ultimately generate progenitor cells, which may then go on to become the differentiated cell types in the body. So can the same growth factor direct stem cells into entirely different fates at different stages of development? And if so, how is that possible? What's telling the stem cell or the growth factors that that's appropriate? 
Well, as I mentioned before, the history of the cell. Once a cell encounters a growth factor and becomes a different cell, that is a stem cell might become a progenitor cell, and then encounters the same growth factor or another growth factor, it can have an entirely different response. And the reason is that the cell has been stimulated by its first encounter to generate what are known as transcription factors, proteins that regulate DNA activity. Once the cell has a different complement of transcription factors than the initial cell, when it encounters the growth factor a second time, its responses will will differ because its intracellular signaling mechanisms are different than the initial cell. So are there specific sets of transcription factors that direct differentiation of stem cells into different cell fates? So is it the growth factor, is it the transcription factor, or is it a combination of the two? Of course, it's a combination of the two. As I mentioned, stem cells are directed to differentiate by the environment around them. On the outside of the cell, it is the growth factor which interacts with the receptors to stimulate a signal transduction cascade inside the cell to allow the events to occur. The signal transduction cascade stimulates the production of proteins called transcription factors, which then interact with DNA and regulate gene expression to control the fate. So both of them are necessary for the stem cell to respond to the environment and become a differentiated cell. Is there any single transcription factor or single growth factor that's sufficient to specify a cell's fate? No, there's not. In fact, at each step along the way, it requires groups of transcription factors to specify fates. So, for example, many of us think, well, how do we generate a neuron? But that's not really the question. The question is, how do we generate dopaminergic neuron? How do we generate a cholinergic neuron? How do we generate a GABAergic neuron? And, and so forth. Because there are literally hundreds of different kinds of neurons. So there are first sets of transcription factors, which we call proneural transcription factors or neurogenic transcription factors that can direct a progenitor cell to become a neuron. But then there are entirely different sets of transcription factors that are necessary to tell the cell become a very specific kind of neuron, namely a dopaminergic neuron or cholinergic neuron. And if we're going to think about using stem cells clinically, for example, generating dopaminergic neurons to treat Parkinson's disease, we have to learn each step of this programming to tell the stem cell to become the right kind of cell. In our research so far, do we know what all those steps are? Have we made that connection for any particular type of neuron? Yes, we have. This is the collective we, of course, meaning the whole field, so that, for example, it's now known precisely what transcription factor cascade is necessary to make a lower motor neuron. That is the motor neuron in the spinal cord that ultimately communicates with muscles. It's known now what the transcription factor cascade is necessary to make the dopaminergic neuron that I spoke about. And more recently, the transcription factor cascade necessary to make the upper motor neuron, namely the cells up in the brain that control motor movement, has been described. People are now working on a variety of other types of cell types to understand the cascades. There are a few other examples that I shouldn't, don't mean to leave out. I don't want to list all the ones that have been described. For example, certain types of cerebellar cells, the transcription factor cascade is known. But for the vast majority of cell types in the nervous system, we do not yet know the cascade. And for those where we do know the cascade, do we currently have the technology to recreate or make that happen? Yes, we do. And I think the area where this is happening or is likely to happen first impact clinically is with the dopaminergic neuron. It's 
fairly well understood now what growth factor and what transcription factor cascades are necessary to make stem cells become dopaminergic neurons. And I think we can anticipate clinical trials in which these newly generated dopaminergic neurons, or at least cells that have been programmed to become dopaminergic neurons, are transplanted into the brain of patients with Parkinson's disease. We know a lot about stem cells and how they turn into other cells. Can we use this knowledge to cure disease? I want to thank our guests, John A. Kessler, MD, Davy Professor of Stem Cell Biology and Chairman of the Davy Department of Neurology at Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago, for talking to us about these critical research issues. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can find our new on-demand and podcast features that will allow you access to our entire program library. And thank you for listening.